welcome to Grid Talks, your weekly RC podcast, with your hosts Russell Lee and Chris Bowden, bringing you the latest RC news and interviews from around the world. Sit back and enjoy as we talk RC cars. Hello and welcome to Grid Talk, your weekly RC racing podcast, with your host myself, Russell Lee, and the fabulous Chris Bowden. How you doing, Chris? I'm alright, Rush, yourself? Not too bad, mate, not too bad. And uh, this week we have added Roger Mills. How you doing, Rog? I'm very well, Russ, very well. Nice to hear from you, mate, nice to hear from you. Good to have you back for your monthly slot from 2021 onwards. Thank you very much, Russ. No problems, because you've got nothing else to do really, have you, at the moment? While the <laughs> city's on lockdown? <laughs> if and, only that were true. I know, yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling. Let me thank the sponsors and uh, we'll we'll get on with the show because I believe our man is waiting for a call. So, massive thank you to CML Distribution and, of course, Schumacher Racing, the guys that keep us on air every year and every now and then throw us a bit of prizes for you guys out there. Guys, thank you for getting involved with the podcast and listening every week. And, of course, thank you for liking and sharing. It's it's great to see you all getting involved. Most of the Christmas prize draw people have been in contact with me now. Um, if you're one of the people, the stragglers, drop me a message uh, with your address on, and mainly, it's mainly t-shirt people, and the size of the t-shirt, and we'll get the stuff sent out to you. Um, well, guys, I'm rambling. Let's um, go and find Kurt Wenger. So, Russ, have you managed to uh, get in touch with him yet? I certainly have. Uh, so, on the other end of the line, we've got Kurt Wenger. From Shell Designs, how you doing, Kirk? Hey, everybody! It's great to how have you, you on. It's great to have you on. We've chased you for a little while, but it's fi- it's, it's finally come to fruition. Um, yeah, now we got Special Agent Dick Barton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Yeah. He got me hooked up. Massive thanks to Richard Barton for um, getting a, getting this thing to happen. Um, yeah, our, 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 our regular Christmas draw host. Um, so we do it a bit different this week, Chris. Do you want to ask the first couple of questions? Yeah, um, obviously, so, Kurt, just first off, how did you get started in RC? Was it um, a, a hobby first? Were you the first person in your sort of circle to do it, or was it something that your family had been involved in and had friends involved in? Um, I don't know if this happened around you guys. I, I was born in 78, so I started around 1987, and... Um, the, the RC-10 was out, and a lot of my friends had gotten RC cars for Christmas, and I was really interested in one, and my dad, I, I started off with a Radio Shack car, it was a little Porsche uh, that I drove up and down the driveway, and then, I don't know if a lot of people find it this way, but eventually I broke it and we couldn't get it fixed other than just buy another one. So then we found out, hey, there's this hobby-grade RC that you can buy and fix when you break it. And um, a few of my friends had gotten lower-end ones. And uh, my dad, he's also an engineer, and he likes cars and um, loves Porsches. That's how I ended up with the RC Porsche. But... uh, we ended up discovering a hobby store, and I found out about um, competition. And so I ended up saving up my lawn mowing money. I, I had about $230, and I went to a hobby show and came back with a 
a gold tub RC10. The kit number was the 6010 kit, which was the lowest end kit you could get because I was on a budget. Yeah. So I had to get the bushings and the wiper speed control, and my first radio was the Sanwa or the Airtronics called the XL2P, and I had a, uh, a dynamite charger with the 15-minute dial and one battery pack, and I was ready to rip. Sounds awesome. Um, yeah. I, obviously, I missed that. I Sorry. missed the um, the RC10. I'm a little. Uh, I'm not. I'm a little bit young for that. My first was the B3, but um, I keep looking at these gold tub re-rees, and there's one sat on the shelf at our local store, and I keep thinking, do I just get it? <laughs> so I don't think it's going to be coming back again. That was a special <laughs> anniversary anniversary project. Yeah. So grab one while you can. So how did you get on with with the um, the racing and with it? Were you for your first oh. RC10? Did you have a local club? Yeah, I I grew up in Houston, Texas, and within, I mean, I think we took about two weeks to get it all built and going, and it was hilarious. My dad put like lubrication on all the hinge pins and everything so that it would be smooth and. And then, of course, later we found out that that was the worst idea in the world. But I, I wanted to go to a track right away. As soon as I could get driving in the street got really tiring. And so we went to a track. And then, and of, course, of course, the first day of the track, they're like, well, you got to get some tires. So then it just started from there. And pretty soon I had tires, uh, different bearings, upgraded differential, and then uh, Andy's front A arms, and we had eventually, you know, replaced everything. So I kind of started racing from the get-go and slowly upgraded my entry-level kit to ball bearings and everything racing. Are any so, of your friends that were racing then still racing now? Yeah, one of the most uh, prominent guys. He's still around. He's in Houston. His name's Frosty St. Clair. He, uh, if you watched in the in the nineties, he won the Reedy Race Open Class. Oh, okay. Um, Two wheel drive. I think when I was at M and M Hobbies, and so he was on Team Associated. And then the other uh, guy from Houston that was legendary at the time was uh, his name was Jonathan Morgan. He's actually a full-size race car driver now. Uh, I'm not in touch with him, but uh, those guys were the local fast guys in Texas. And a few of them are a few of uh, those guys are still around. Quincy Hughes and uh, Kyle Wilson and other guys. We're all in our 40s now and still brilliant, still uh, racing. That is class. It's brilliant. Um, so, obviously, you mentioned then that your your dad was an engineer. So, was that always something you were interested in? And obviously, we know you went into engineering, and obviously, you've developed some of the the really prominent um, AE cars over the past. Was that something you always enjoyed about um, RC? Always going into that? Yeah, I think the two things it's. It's hard to say which came first. I think my just interest in how things worked and RC just kind of fed into that. And uh, I think a lot of people that get into RC like the engineering side of it and understanding how it works and 
it's cool you get to have your own full-size race team you're the team manager the owner the driver and the mechanic all in one um, and the bloke that pays for the spares as well yeah and yeah, the financier did your dad ever have a car with you uh, it's hilarious. He liked working on them more than driving, but then eventually we got to a point where he was like, why aren't you doing this and hitting this turn? And I was like, listen, buddy, it's not as easy as it looked out there. It's hard <laughs> to do exactly what you want. So I was like, you're here. You could go take the old RC10T out and do some laps. And so I, I got him to race a few times. Brilliant. Because it's like, oh, it's just, it's just so easy. Why can't you just apex that turn perfect? And you're like, hey, I'm trying out here. Yeah. Car doesn't yeah. cooperate all yeah. the time. It's one so, of those things, isn't it? Even those people who, you know, used to, you know, sort of precision control of things, they, they really struggle with the RC, um, particularly the car racing. My father used to fly RC helicopters, and uh, he could never drive a car either. <laughs> It's crazy. So, how did you end up um, going, starting off uh, running RC tens at the local club? How did you end up with a dream job working at Associated Designing Cars, especially with the, with the distance between Texas and California? Yeah, I, I can I never really uh, envisioned it as a potential reality. I think until I was in college, but uh, I just loved RC and so I started racing and then I, I eventually got pretty good and um, was able to make like the regional finals and I had won the regionals in stock class um, and I think that was about the time about the time the B2 kit came out and I had done some done some races and um, I got sponsored on the 50% team for Team Associated and I had traveled around a few times and um, so I had met the first person I met from Associated was uh, Gene Husting and then um, the cool thing was that I would get Reedy Motors and then if you're at a race and Mike Reedy was there well you could take your motor over to him and put in in the queue and he would just sit there with his lathe and rebuild everyone's motors and turn them on the comm lathe so i had uh i had reedy motors and i had i had met mike and then knew these other guys and and then eventually um been on the team and we've had a few national events the roar nationals in houston a few times and I met, I ended up meeting uh, Matt Francis, was probably the best in the sport. He would just travel around to grassroots events and go racing. And so he would come to kind of our grassroots, um, like regional level events. And so I met Matt Francis and, uh, and then, um, you know, some, a few times Brian Kenwald came out to race and, it was pretty crazy. So I got to meet a few of those guys. And then when I went to school, I naturally um, was interested in engineering, partly from my RC experience. And I'm just kind of a, um, that's just by nature. It's, you know, yeah, yeah. people that are engineers have a certain type of brain and it's unlike anybody else. And we just totally geek out on these things. And so, <laughs> Sorry, Go ahead. 
yeah, I was saying, so how, so did one of them just, after you, did you start sending letters or were you still involved with the, with the, with had, the crowd? I was doing, I was looking at recruiting and stuff in college and I had stayed in touch and nothing really happened. And then I noticed that uh, around that time, some of the companies in the industry were starting to expand. And I noticed that Team Losi had some um, listings on their website and then, um, team associated did and at the time I wasn't really that active when I was in school um, I basically raced like two or three times a year yeah whenever I could but I was really focused on my education at that time so some opportunities came up and um, associated was growing and they um, before Cliff had basically done all the product design and the first person they hired after Cliff, who you guys probably know in the industry, his name's Torrance de Guzman. He's one of the lead designers for Hot Bodies HPI. Yeah. Well Hot Bodies, I guess they're I don't know what other products he does for them, but uh, he was the first person that they hired when Cliff started to get overloaded. The other um, person working in engineering was uh, Dwayne Silva was Cliff's assistant. And then they did the uh, Nitro TC3 project. And then um, the company was just growing and growing. And so they had another opening. And that's when I got in touch with Cliff again. And I flew down and did an interview. And I joined the staff in 2002. Um, originally, I had started after school, I went and moved to Seattle and I was going to work for, uh, I not was going to, I started working for Boeing okay. in Seattle in the, as an equipment engineer and, um, but I had the opportunity and then after the 9-11 attack, um, Boeing already had a bunch of plane orders drop and so we kind of agreed to part ways and, um, I volunteered to be part of downsizing and went and moved to Southern California. And so that's when I started with Team Associated. We had, at the time, the the B3 was out, and um, Barry Baker had just joined the team. And then um, the top drivers were uh, Mark Pavitas and Billy Easton and uh, Lloyd Dassenville were all on the team. So can you, were you, you know, did you start, just a quick one, did you start racing straight away as soon as you joined back up with them when, when you started working for Associated or did you give it a Oh yeah, I mean at the time, I, I basically, when I was in college I sold all my cars except for I kept a TC3 and uh, I had a Team Losi XXX buggy um, that I bought from uh, Jimmy Babcock at Hot Rod Hobbies. I met him. He and Matt would just travel around, and that's how I met Jimmy originally in Houston. And um, I basically had this one Rubbermaid tub, and I was like, all my RC stuff has to fit in this tub. I can't <laughs> go over the limit. So I was like, I, I, I was like I'm going to buy tires at the track. And um, and then when they're gone, I throw them away, and I don't. I'm not going to accumulate tons of stuff, so it's I can just move one box when I have to move to home or school or go to a race or anything. Yeah, it was a minimalist lifestyle. It was pretty fun. 
They so, never. So what was the first car you worked on associated? Would it have been the, the B4? Buggy. The B4. Yeah, so the, basically we said uh, we got there. They're like, we're going to work on the new two-wheel drive platform. And they had some concepts. And so we talked about um, one of the cool things that is not really public knowledge um, was the Detroit stealth car, which was, let's see. I'm trying to remember. Was Detroit the 91 Worlds? Or was that 89? I think it was 89. Yeah. I can, I can find out while we're talking. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, they basically had run one stealth car in Australia, which kind of started up the associated like stealth car mystique, yeah. where they had the new stealth transmission. Um, which was the first thing that got released, and you could adapt that to the gold tub car with the new differential, which was basically the same differential that we're using now, yeah. developed way back then. And it that was because that's the stealth box when, when we went from six gears to three gears. That that's right. Right. It? Yeah. Yeah. And they moved to a compact differential that was they couldn't really originally make something small enough that could fit down in the drive so the differential was in the spur gear and then they they made the the lower differential with a with a disconnected uh slipper clutch yeah um because before you basically had no slipper clutch the slipper clutch was kind of a hybrid slipper and differential but you're actually slipping the diff balls in the spur gear you know on the original yeah. design so that came out and um, they, yeah, I got to hear all the fun stories about how they had made the stealth cars. And then Masami, when they got to Australia, had this uh, front shock package that he had made a custom front shock tower to use tall shocks. And that front end made everything dialed. So at the time, like Curtis Husting was traveling with the team and they were all at the race and um so like the night before the race they would always bring like sheets of carbon fiber and fiberglass with them and he made shock towers off of a template for the one that, like that was on masami's car and yeah. made towers with a dremel for the rest of the guys to use at the race the next day see that's teamwork mate that is for me that yeah. is like the, the stories I, I love to hear things like that you know we just make it we'll just make it make it on the night <laughs> we're yeah. only, only be in the bar or the pub you know oh yeah so he's cranking them out at the, with a dremel so they definitely had the anything anything to win and the the competitive advantage was always there at at team associated um from curtis and gene and then when cliff came on and um because originally Roger Curtis, the, one of the original owners with Gene, was doing the engineering, and um, that's the interesting thing is that uh, the RC is Roger Curtis. It's not really made for radio-controlled ten. It's it's Roger Curtis ten. It just yeah. happened to line up. Yeah, that's crazy. And isn't it? Uh, uh, and and the ten means ten scale, obviously. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it ended up kind of being a legendary thing. That's equated rc10 is equated with rc cars but um i started yeah we had the 
the B4 was the first project, and so I kind of initially, there was a lot of learning curve, but uh, we made a ton of prototypes, and essentially that started the learning process of being able to go to the track two or three days a week at SoCal Raceway and just really test and develop and find out what was what on the two-wheel drive buggy. And um, the gold standard at the time was the the Team Losi Triple X buggy. And so we had one of those and ran that. And then we kept running our modified B3 against that on and on and on. And um, learned a bunch of lessons on the... Yeah, I mean, it worked well. I mean, that platform didn't really change. Was it probably 10 years, I suppose, wasn't it, the, the B4 run for? It won, te- it won five worlds, didn't it, back-to-back? Yeah. Back. Uh, so that's 10 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. yeah, we released the car. The 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 one that the worlds that was probably the closest was the first one we won that Billy Easton won in, uh, in Florida. Um, that was kind of in the, the era where Kenwald was... was Brian was just really in his prime, and he had swept the nationals and um, was looking pretty good at that race, the race at Minreg in '03. So that was the first year of the car. We worked on it basically an entire year during 2002. Um, design-wise, Torrance and I were both working on the design. He was probably a little more experienced. Uh, he was a he was quite a bit more ahead of me in uh, the CAD design when I started. Um, but we kind of split everything up, and I designed a lot of the uh, the steering blocks and caster blocks and hubs and arms, and he did um, a lot of the main chassis and steering and everything for the way the car looks. So we kind of broke it up, but we, we collaborated on it and worked on everything and the the wing mount design um, and a few other things, kind of the stuff that I worked on. And um, uh, when with the B4, obviously that was a, a complete platform change. So yes. what, and you say you, you went and tested an absolute, you know, an absolute abundance of stuff. Um, so it's obviously no accident. What would you say made that big step from the B3 to the B4? There was a few major things that we changed. Um, part of it is um, the front end geometry and the steering geometry are super critical on two wheel drive. And we spent a lot of time, made a, <laughs> there's a lot of fun stories about um, making custom Delrin steering blocks and then we'd go to the track and Curtis would make two and then we'd break one and have to wait like two hours while he made another one. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have little carbon fiber adjustment arms on them at the time to, uh, we didn't do that. We didn't think about that just in case we wanted to try different positions. So we had a few of them drilled with different locations, but I spent a long time studying the Ackerman and um, the. we did a lot of testing with the, the trailing axle and the axle trail and the kick-up. Um, we tested all different kick-ups. The, the, the 
big thing on the B4 was all the cars before on the market had a 30 degree kick up on the front bulkhead. And um, this was the first one that had uh, 25 degrees. Yeah. <clears throat> and we thought that was a real advantage. The trailing axle was a real advantage for two wheel drive, especially even back then for making the car really easy to drive. And then we fine tuned the steering geometry a lot to find the the most easy to drive and that you can still like get around the tight corners on the track. So a lot of those things on the front end were a really big departure from the B3. And that was what kind of made the car easy to control and easy to drive. And then the rear end geometry we changed, um, the biggest things is we uh, designed a really compact and optimized gearbox so that the motor could be pushed as far forward close to the differential as possible so we didn't have to deal with overhang. And then one of the first things we tested was the rear drive shaft length. Um, the B3 had the original RC10 wheel, which if you remember was not very... Yeah, it was um, offset it yeah. had a very high offset so the hub and everything sat really far towards the center line of the car and basically nothing was inside of the wheel and when we switched to what was called the low c wheel um, in the rear uh, we were able to put longer drive shafts and a longer hub in and this was something um you know, Cliff showed me some of their other development cars and they had some other concept cars and one of them had like really long arms and he's like, well, if we have the B3, the B4, you know, the B2, the B3, they made the arm front arms longer and they made it quadrisymmetric front and rear arms the same length. Then um, yeah. they're like, well, let's just make them even longer. So they made new wheels. Um, and so we ended up doing some more testing and development and we ended up using the wheels from one of their other concept cars that they already had tooled up that were basically became the B4 wheels with a deeper offset. And yeah. the rear end, we ended up using the same arm length as a B3, but we redesigned the hub and pushed so that we could run longer drive shafts, um, which nothing was measured in millimeters back then. Nice. So I can't remember. I can't remember how much longer they were, but it was something on the order of like six millimeters longer. Yeah, yeah, radical. Um, yeah. Right. So the rear drive shaft change was really huge, and then the other thing, obviously, the whole vertical ball stud movement, um, which was kind of driven by Brian and Gil Losey Jr. And that was kind of one of the revolutions that came out on the triple X buggy. And so when we did the B4, um, we were able to make some of that and do some testing. And so we changed the rear inner link locations and the hub link locations a lot um, to have like less camber gain and a lower roll center. Um, which traditionally the B3 had a really short upper camber link with a really high roll center. And it was great when there was no grip because there was very little weight transfer side to side. But the problem was once the traction got high or the track was fast, and instead of the suspension leaning, the whole car just wants to tip and flip over. So yep. that was um, 
it's the same basic shock and arm um, but the big difference is the geometry of the suspension was a lot different and the drive shafts were a lot different and then we um, came up with this octagon slipper clutch um, which I think was Torrance's original idea um, to use an octagon shape um, to key the pads in and then um, the cool part was originally we had everything fit so that the pads would actually press into the gear and not fall out. Yeah. But sometimes over time, if you've known, eventually the the stamping tools and everything kind of wears out and it doesn't fit that great anymore. So we finally did a new stamping pad this year with the B74.1 project, and we, we called it the Octolock, where we have the, the eight locking tabs and um, those pads press in and stay in. So yeah. now there's just so much power um, yeah. going through the car. So yeah. finally, you, finally you... updated all the spur gears and pads when we did the new slipper project for the four-wheel drive. Yeah. Do you think the car it, it helps with the car having a, a plastic chassis? Because it was I mean, obviously from the RC10 went, went metal chassis to plastic chassis, and then the B5 yeah, went back the, to metal or B5M. Back to metal. Yeah, the technology of like the CAD and everything was really hard to do. Yeah. And um, to make all the mating parts and then the, the mold tooling and everything, the 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 plastic chassis um, kind of evolved from a cost standpoint and being able to build in a bunch of features. Also, the cars were extremely heavy because of the batteries. I mean, if you go grab yeah. a six-cell battery pack, yeah. it's insane how heavy these old cars were. I yeah. think I think part of the transition, I think a metal chassis would have been good, but especially now that the cells are so much lighter, the, the metal chassis makes the most sense. Um, it was really just uh, kind of the fad of the times and trying to get... I mean, the kit costs back then, I think you could get a kit for under $200, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I mean, now it's like a kit. A kit is uh, three, $340 US dollars, and I think when the B6 originally came out, or the B5M came out, it was, it was like 270 and then I think kits before that were around... You know, two hundred and ten dollars to two hundred dollars, maybe after discounting, when they were all plastic. And part of that's just you get so much more in the box now, whereas back then it was everything in the as much as possible was molded. And part of that was to keep it lightweight and to keep the cost down. Cool. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it was a, it is a big change. We you know we say with the batteries that is really driven a lot hasn't it in our car designs i think that our shorty cells um that we mostly run now what we consider the full size ones about half the weight of the um the last of the line nickel metal hydride oh packs. for sure and then you've got the the low profile cells are kind of half the half the weight of the original sort of 1200 scr hence why we're all run. running weight under the batteries <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so Obviously, we want to speak about um, our world champ. So, were you at the the worlds when Neil Craig won? 
Yeah, I built his car. Oh, class. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cedric, Cedric has the other replica car, yeah. and um, if you see in the photos, it has in in a silver pen built by Coach. So we went to the warm up, and um, Neil, I had been there for the Euros, um, the year Neil, which was completely tragic, the year Neil broke his leg. Um, during the uh, UK versus Europe uh, football game in between yeah. in between uh, two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. Um, but, yeah, I had I, been over. I went to the Euros in Austria that Neil won, um, which was the first time I met uh, Lee Martin um, when he was just starting out. So it was a pretty pretty fun uh memory and then i went back and we did the euros in italy and then when we went back for the worlds um we had done a bunch of testing and i was like man neil's so good at this track you know what i just um i just feel like if i just build him a car it'll it'll have the best chance so i was like mick i'm just i'm building you the complete car with the setup already on it everything done right so I brought it to him and handed it off to him before the race, and he slapped the electronics in. So I think that car only got ran in Italy, and uh, it went on the shelf. But I marked it up, and um, that was a that was a fun one. Because uh, we we've been told that he only he only soldered in five of the batteries, didn't he? And um, we didn't use yeah, all six yeah, cells. Did you have a hand in that? Well, just for the listeners who oh, don't yeah. know, um, the, the back back. Door. Back then, the batteries were a six-cell um, individual cells, and you'd sold, and basically you'd solder the end positive and negative. But what they did was for Neil's car, they didn't use all six cells; they just soldered on the fifth cell, um, so it was, so it'd be lower power. Sorry, coach, away you go. Yeah, the track was really slick, and so we we were going there and running like 14-turn motors, and it was just really hard to deal with wheel spins. So yeah, Sean Cochran was over there. I don't think Mike was at the race at that point i think he had retired um but sean c was there and he's like well if you guys are worried about wheel spin we need to do five cells and then you basically have lower voltage so the rpm is going to be lower so you just put a bigger pinion on and you get the exact same top speed but it totally like deadens the power band and um so they ended up running like a 12 turn and then i, I ended up doing a 13 turn but i just grabbed the biggest pinion i could possibly find which was like a 28 tooth um that would fit on there and i think they ran like a 25 or a 26 and basically we were like we had tested a few times to keep the car heavy or not and actually run a five cell or to run the sixth cell and we ended up just taking and running the sixth cell in the car so we just disconnected one of the battery bars um, and instead of linking it to the sixth cell we just bent that sucker up and put the L bar you know back one more yeah and voila so I still have my car from that race it's still uh, got the six cells in it with the extra solder tab on the fifth cell wow. so you could Charging was pretty simple back then, but you could just drive punched out of your mind, and you never had to worry about wheel spin. 
and it was still really fast on the straightaway. Yeah, so, so it was, was like, why haven't we been doing this before? And then around that time, I think shortly after, a bunch of touring cars started running five cells and. Yeah, I remember those days. So we still it, do it with the uh, lipos now, Kurt. Actually, yeah. isn't it? on wet asphalt, undercharge them, yeah. charge them out for three from three point nine four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. I must try that, Roger. You never told me that one. It's holding <laughs> out on you. Then again, I never race. I never race in the wet. wet. <laughs> Why would I need to know that? Yeah, we have to deal with the cleanup. Yeah, exactly, well, exactly so right. Whose idea was it then not to tell Neil that it was only the fifth cell connected? Because apparently, oh, that was Mick. You know, was that Mick? So is that a true yeah. story that that I, he didn't I know about it? Mine and I said, I always sit next to him, and I was like, "This is amazing," and he's like, "So he's like, so I think Neil had qualified like third. I think uh, Cavalieri was first, Mayfield, or maybe Neil was second. So for the last qualifier, Mick." He's like he didn't even. He's like he didn't even look at the car. He's just off hanging out, and he cleans the body. So he's like, so he soldered it in and didn't tell him. And uh, I think sent him out for the last qualifier, and, and I think Neil like TQ'd or got really high up the, the last round. So um, that's where at the FMR Worlds you have the last qualifier and the finals on the same day. So we went ahead and did it and um kept recharging the battery and mick just kept the body on it and and then i think he told him after the race he's like i don't want to psych him out <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a mick craig yeah because we had um we had neil and lee on last week's episode and um we always ask ask the guest at the end um and we'll ask you as well when we get towards the end what was like your favorite car that you've ever owned and um, Neil did say if he could drive, if he could choose any car that he's ever had in the past, the one car he would get out was that 2004 winning, um, sorry, 2005 uh, world's winning B4. And that yeah. would be the car that he would, uh, he'd love just to go and put on a track again. Yeah. Oh yeah, you just bring it out every now and then to meetings of people, um, people for people to see. But um, I don't think it's ever, I don't think it's ever run since. No, no, it's it's yeah. fully uh, a shelf queen. Yeah, I saved my car. I every I I ended up being able to enter and race the world. So whenever I race them, I I shelf the cars. I usually get them autographed. Um, so I have the 2003 car, the 2005 car, uh, 2007, and then the 2011 car from Finland, all, um, all saved. So it's pretty cool memory. I'm glad I have them all and you can kind of see the evolution of the, the small changes we did over the years. Yeah. So what happened, um... To, to, towards the end of um, Associated, then did you did you find um, a, a different path? Yeah, I think around that time I um, I got married and my daughter was born in 2011, and I ended up deciding to work with uh, Avid Racing out of Houston um, and launch their accessories line. For me, it was just needing a little more freedom 
and flexibility in my schedule, not having to travel as much or go to an office every day. So I started working from home. Um, I think I was there less than a year after my daughter was born. And, um, and then I ended up, uh, we kind of broke up after a couple years. And then in 2014, um, I launched the Shell brand, um, which was, again, kind of home-based and um, low overhead and able to have kind of, I didn't have to answer to anybody and be able to, uh, to make my own products or whatever I thought. And at the time, you know, the, the market has shifted a lot now from that period of when, when the B4 was out and how much aftermarket you could put on a car to the B5 series. And now the B6 series, it's like, there's so much that already comes in the box. Yeah. The need for aftermarket, um, is a little bit less and less, but there's different stuff that came out. And so I think, um, one of the coolest things was I, I learned a whole lot about slipper clutches and designed the, uh, the triad, um, branded slipper clutch under avid, um, which was my design. And then, um, we sell the new version of it under the Nova brand name. Yeah, it's a decent shell. Yeah. I was and, um, yeah. So that was cool. That was a lot of the time of, it's kind of geared towards uh, dirt racing and especially the, the low uh, moment of inertia. It's, it's geared a lot towards uh, spec racing, which was the most popular. Uh, I still use it for like two wheel drive buggy on dirt, but it's not really um, optimized for like carpet racing. Um, when the grip starts to get too high, eventually um, it uh, it just can't handle the power. But it's still a step up from what was going in the clutches and the the feel and the drivability is really good. So that's when we kind of the new clutch design I did was the one for Team Associated where. You know, we were um, trying to figure out what the next step was for the four-wheel drive on carpet because they're just there's so much power and there's unlimited grip and um, trying to get a clutch that that can uh, have that much capacity without overheating and fading. So that's what led to the development. And we tested quite a few things, but the B74.1 uh, clutch is. Uh, it's kind of a unique design and a, a redo um, and a rethinking of the clutch. And it, it actually works way better than a three-pad clutch. It's it's really optimized and designed for um, carpet racing. Yeah, yeah. the difference between the, um, the way it breaks torque and the way in which it reconnects is, is quite a lot different to the, the old three-pad um, clutch, isn't it? It's Yeah. Yeah, the breakaway really... and uh, so it's part of the design of the material and the pad surface area and the spring. Um, that's the heaviest spring that we've ever put on any clutch ever. Yeah, it's, and um, it yeah. worked out really good. So yeah. yeah, I tell people there is a three pad option, but it's basically slips more and has slower 
throttle delivery. So you might want it for dirt, but if you're racing on carpet, you want the the kick clutch. You get the best one. It's not like we're trying to skimp out. Um, yeah. um, I was trying to explain to some people on RC Tech shortly after the car was released, and they were all um, they were talking about yeah, wanted, why they taken a pad away and all the rest. And I was trying to explain the, the difference you'd get with that stronger spring and the high contact area. And uh, yeah, it was it's a really nice, really nice clutch that feels really good. And I still actually use your Nova clutches in my wet car, uh, my wet AstroTurf car. So I don't know if you've ever had the joy of racing on AstroTurf Kurt, but it's when it's wet, slippery. yeah, when it's wet, it's like ice. <laughs> and, well, that's when you would want the Nova clutch. That's exactly when you want it. Yeah. That, that lower moment just really allows you to pick up the throttle so much more smoothly and gently. Um, but yeah, yeah, still still have one in my wet car today. <laughs> so on your, um, uh, are you still are you still doing the parts with, with Shell? Yeah, I think um, I've kind of throttled it back a little bit. Uh, yeah, the brand is still there. I'm still working. Um, but this past year, I started working again in 2020 um, with the team associated engineering. So I'm kind of working with them part time and doing the shell product line. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, that's right. Because um, uh, we've been told you've been working on the, as a consultant on the on the B74 project. Yeah, I started uh, working on the the B74.1 was the first project we started working on. And um, I think when did that that released in uh, August or September? Yeah. I think August. It, so we that that had been in the pipeline for a while, and we did all the testing and development um, pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, and I went out to California and ran, and then we worked with the guys and um, and got that kit finished, and then we had the. The T6.2 and SC6.2 projects, and then um, you know all the uh, the future stuff that we're working on. You know, it'll probably be out in about two weeks. You'll hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I was that's, that's when the B7 was coming. Yeah. Um, so sorry, can, can I just ask? Obviously, you mentioned you've been working on the T6.2, and as our listeners will probably know, I'll, I'll quite happily send bang on about how cool trucks are for for hours and hours um but i noticed obviously like you've got the, the gullwing arm change you know a, a few little minor changes um to help, help improve it but um you're stuck with the same chassis length um and one of the things that we've discovered over here on the astro and on the wet astro in in particular as well is we've all been running the um the chassis from the b6.2 the plus three millimeter chassis yeah and it totally changed the car. As that was that tested, or is that anything that you guys have looked at? Or yeah, we um, for truck class in the United States, the rules are uh, a little antiquated, and so the truck spec rules is that they made the trucks be able to be a lot wider, but they really limited the length. And the original length was even shorter than that, but um, the wheelbase, the max wheelbase is kind of constrained. So one of the things we did on the T6.2 is um, the max wheelbase 
to be able to pass tech inspection at Aurora event is running the hubs forward and the arms forward, but there is capability for non-sanctioned events to lengthen the truck and um, move the arms back and the hubs back. So, so is your, your car illegal, Chris? No, my car's shorter. You're cheating. So it depends. It depends on the truck rules and where where they are. But for the sanctioned racing, it has to be a, a certain minimum, which is where the truck is at. And um, we couldn't really go any longer and still race. I would love to see truck class have a little bit longer wheelbase, but it's all right. Now we're probably... we're running like a lot short. I think the the B6 chassis for the B6.2 um, buggy is what we're running on our trucks because we don't have a, a minimum. We don't have that kind of rule. We can just run the chassis. So you went super duper short. Yeah, yeah. We I've even tried the um, the chassis off the B6.2D in the wet, and that was amazing. So much grip and drivability. You can just throw it at a corner, and it just goes around. Sure. So we've just gone opposite. We have. It's um, it's something to do with the the differences in the way the tires interact with the surface in the UK uh, compared to what you guys have in the states. Even when you're on astro or carpet, and we tend to run a shorter car, as Chris says. Um, I never take the short chassis off my two wheel drive unless I'm going onto carpet. Um, because even on the Astro, which you'd think is quite high grip, it's it's actually a benefit to us to to be able to have that slightly shorter wheelbase, but also what that does the weight distribution. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, yes. Uh, the only time I've tested it was when we did the original. We tested chassis length on the, the gas truck project and um, the T4 project and the T4.1, and it, I actually had a shorter chassis that was about uh, four millimeters shorter, and I ran it and liked it a lot, but I think with the rear motor trucks, you're always worried about having too much weight to the rear and having a like on-power understeer yeah. and um, on dirt. And so we kind of landed on that truck length and that's what everything's optimized for but i know the lower grip and the more bumpy the surface like when we did the gas truck testing we made a, a test truck that was the length of the t4 mm -hmm. and then we made one that was the length of the gt which was about i think it was about four or five millimeters shorter and the short wheelbase one the more blown up and low grip the track was the more the shorter chassis was better so the gas truck class always had a shorter chassis and wheelbase length than uh, the electrics because the electrics were on a more groomed and grippy surface. Cool. So the other thing I was going to ask was, what does it feel like knowing that you had such a major part in developing, and there's no argument to it, the most successful RC car that's ever sort of been put out? Yeah, I think for competition-wise, it would be hard to argue. Um, and for the era, I think the other the other popular one was maybe even the 
and that was the era before us, the RC12 series um, was the other one that associated has a lot of world championships and 12 scale on road, which was all kind of before our time and not really glamorous or anything. But back when like uh, Sean Ireland and uh, Masami and all these guys were a big deal, um, that was that was one generation before me that that 12 scale was a big deal but um it's really satisfying I, I know the team of guys that we worked with um they all kind of have a special place in my heart and the memories and and working on the project with the old days with uh with cliff and torrance and um going to the races with uh mike reedy and those guys and um uh, I've, one of the biggest friendships that came about during the B4 project was uh, my friendship with Brent uh, Telke, the team manager. Um, he and I just clicked and both were passionate about the competition, racing, and development. And so um, from the moment uh, I went out and, and met him and went racing at the Arizona State Champs, um, with the prototype uh, B4, I ended up getting him a prototype car, and so he's kind of been involved in in working with me um, from the beginning as a team driver. And then um, a couple years later, when uh, when it was time for Mike to retire, um, we um, Brent was just kind of a natural fit to bring into the team manager role, and so. Um, you know, Cliff saw how well that he had worked with me and with the team and and got to know him a little more. And um, that brought Brent onto the team, which has been, I mean, he has been there, uh, I think it's like 18 years now, seven, maybe 17 years. I think he started in around 2004. Um, uh, so around that 04, 05 time was when Brent kind of uh, phased in and, and Mike uh, retired. So what, what was it like working with Cedric de Villiers when he's building his replica? Oh, uh, I didn't have to do much. Um, I think he he's pretty detailed and has everything, but I know I met him at the race and he's like, it can't be the same. And he, he brought me the, he brought me a, a silver, uh, a silver um, ink pen, and he's like, "I need you to write it just like this." And he had the picture and everything. So, <laughs> yeah. details, details, details. He wanted it all exactly the same. So yeah. um, he's been great. I've seen him at all the Euros, and uh, he shares photos of his collection with me. And it's great to have somebody else. You know, there's a few of us that that are just uh, really love the hobby and keeping track of the history. And so I, I have my car collection and I'm glad I have it. Um, and I know a lot of the racers kind of around the time um, that I started, a lot of the racers realized that they started saving cars and having a little more of the history. Cause I know uh, like Cliff said, he's like, my world's car is gone. I don't even have it. I don't even think he had the body. He had to, he sent it back to Japan, and so when he won the four-wheel drive worlds, he doesn't. He still has the trophy and everything, but uh, and the, obviously the memories. But uh, that's crazy. I think it's cool, and there's so much more with social media now. You can 
you know, it's good. Just a lot of stuff that would be left at home, you can you know share with the world, and other, uh, everyone else that was around at that time can appreciate it. So yeah. it's a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the cars, though, is it? I mean, I, I always I say this every week. Nostalgia is a great thing, you know. But it's not just about the cars you know for me it's like seeing a charger that you had you know one, one that you had a button you know or um a pack of brushes that you used to use you know things that you would never really think of but that went but seeing it in, in, in a part of junk that someone's just pulled yeah. out is it for me is fascinating yeah i, mean, I know there was certain uh really quasar brushes and yeah and the round and there was the round ones and the hexagonal ones and yeah i mean the only two cars i've really sort of kept like that have got a massive sentimental value to me is I've got um, an original factory team B3 that came like with a Masami shell, the Deja Vu, uh, cool. um, and that was one that my uh, my late father had bought me um, and had it imported from the states because that was back in the day where we used to get our cars like six to eight months after you guys got the release over there. Um, yeah, and the other car that I've got was the same thing imported from the states was um a day one release input we bought it off a main um pre-ordered it off them and it got um sorry not a main it was tower hobbies um right tower hobbies pre-ordered it off them and it is the the day one first edition b4 with all the the black steel turnbuckles and the black plastic yeah uh, and it, it's still sat here today and they're, they're two cars that um I don't think I could ever bear to get rid of. I think it would. Uh, Did you say the me. box and every? Is it all assembled? Yeah, Did it's you... a set. It's assembled. Box. I've still got the box. Um, still got the instruction manuals. Um, unfortunately, cool. kids being kids, I haven't got the sticker sheets. Um, as much as I'd love to have still had them, but that's the first thing you did, wasn't it? You, you rattle canned yeah. your body, and then you threw it. There's every sticker in the kit on that one body shell. Um, yeah. That so, was, yeah. Uh, yeah, the body shell was a cool one. Uh, Torrance was really getting into the CAD design, and so that B4 body shell was the first body shell we did that was fully designed on CAD. Rather than using the block of wood and just making it. Rather than being, like, hand-shaped. Yeah. And we worked with uh, ProLine. So we made this file, and then we said, all right, can you guys make this? And... So they took one and cut out the shape of the mold out of foam just to try it. And they were like, yeah, it worked. And then so we ended up, uh, that was when everything was packaged and boxed in the States. And uh, and the bodies were pulled at ProLine. And that was, uh, that was one of the other unique things about the, so it was kind of a lot of groundbreaking on that project. And... Um, doing all the development and everything was was uh you could never unless someone was paying you to go to the track every day like i was you could almost never gain that much knowledge in yeah. that short amount of time and you'd have to have the right person uh, yeah. to yeah. send to the track to be able to learn all that and and gather it all so 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 what was a unique experience What's what's next for you on the on the development train? Is there anything you, interesting you 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 get you're working on, or or, oh, any, I mean, or, or I anything still... interesting coming, or like a gas truck, say? I don't know, maybe. Uh, I can always dream. 
I think no, I think I, that ship sailed. But you've I been. Think, I don't think that that's really viable. Yeah, the whole I, thing I agree. happened, and as eight skill, this is what ha- basically summed it up. Was like, this is why four wheel drive short course died and everything. Is I was like, you're getting a part, a car that's uh, once eight scale buggy got evolved enough that it was the average person could do it. It's like, why wouldn't you want a four wheel drive car that's basically indestructible? and crazy fast um why would you want to switch to a an almost equally expensive two-wheel drive truck that will handle worse and can't do the jumps and is you know more likely to break yeah <laughs> you break why not spend one. <laughs> extra uh, extra 200 dollars and get an eight scale buggy yeah yeah it's way the the dollars to fun ratio is uh way higher there is some nostalgia for that and uh, the guys at Ignite RC made a cool conversion yeah, because I've seen that. since the B4, all the 10 scale stuff has all kind of been beefed up, and it's so much more. The cars are so much more durable now. It's with the the ball studs and the changing to metric and the the hardware and everything. It's it's um, it's quite a bit better. So I I think everyone that wants one can get the Ignite conversion. I think they're but I mean, they might sell a hundred conversions, and for a company the size of Associated, it's, yeah, it's you know, it's just not economically viable to make a hundred of something, even though there'll be a hundred really happy people. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> they, we don't sell happiness. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm saying that I was looking at the Shell website the other day, just going through a few, you know, doing a bit of research and that before the interview, and I saw one thing, and I really like the look of the. Uh, I think I'll need to get me one of the uh, B6.2, you know, the pre-production uh, carbon battery cradles you've got on there. Oh, yeah. They look That's really a... smart, they do. I like that. I was really excited about that design. It didn't It didn't take off like I wanted, and then the it has an interference issue with the where the Associated guys put the fan mount. So you can't run the B6.2 fan mount location unless... It, it kind of clears in the far forward location, but if you want to run the battery back, it has an interference. But I think that cradle was really cool. I was considering they didn't sell that fast, but I thought it, I thought it was a really cool design because it, it was quick release and you could get the battery out without tools and it was all carbon fiber. Um, uh, I mean, we all run mod good. here, so we're not bothered about fans on a two-wheel drive. <laughs> <laughs> we just like carbon fiber. Yeah. Oh well, maybe I'll make another batch of them and, uh, and yeah, send them, send them over to send them over to CML. <laughs> we'll get them. Uh, we'll, so, we'll get them promoted. So, what's next on the um, on the seventy-four list? Then, are you still consulting on that project, or or, or do you just come yeah, in and do I bits when they ask you to? All, I kind of work on all the ten skill based projects so um we're kind of and the cool thing is this year um i live near the famous uh, thornhill racing circuit in austin and i've been racing eight scale buggy a ton so i i talk to spencer ripkin all the time and we talk about 10 scale and eight scale but i've definitely gotten into 10 the eight scale and um been using the products a ton and had uh, a lot of input and in working with the team guys so i mean i'm kind of focused on off-road development so whatever projects we have going on um 
I'm working on the development, and then Billy and I are working on the the design of all the the tent scale product lines. So we always have new stuff in development. We're kind of we're kind of in a development phase, just trying out new ideas right now. And um, that's that. I mean, that's kind of how we roll. I can't tell you anything about about uh, kit releases and stuff like that. But there's always stuff in the pipeline and new ideas and option parts. And so awesome. I, I spend about half my time working with Associated and half the time working with the shell products. And there's some stuff that Associated doesn't want to deal with that I can make and sell. And so yeah, I definitely. Definitely, it's, the brand's going to keep going. Yeah, no, it's great that you can work together, um, and there'd be no conflict of interest. You know, that's really good that you know you both work well like that. Yeah, it's been going good. I mean, there's certain things that, uh, obviously, a big company like Associated, there's a, it's just a little slower to get everything through the pipeline because there's a a chain of command where if I want to make something. I just draw it one day, send it for a quote the next day, and the third day I order it. Yeah. And then it's here. But I just, that's me doing everything myself and yeah. small batches. And yeah. there's a lot more uh, stuff to happen. It's a lot easier when, you just, when it's just one person to do it, make all the decisions and get it done, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, Kirk, we've been going for well over an hour now. So um, I'm going to thank you for your time and then we'll look at letting you go. Um, before we do so, do you want to say thank you to anyone, friends, family, sponsors? Oh yeah, just thanks for all my uh, all my family that supported me um, racing and um, all my sponsors. Um, right now, um, just uh, Shaw Racing, Team Associated, Reedy. Um, gosh, I have to look at my body here. Jay Con, I've been using. Uh, J Concepts uh, tires, the MIP. Um, I've been using the MIP tools and products for forever. Um, and then um, huge shout out uh, to Darkside Designs, who's painted all my bodies for the last 15 years. I met him through uh, Joe Pillars and Ryan Cavallari. And um, I don't go through bodies very fast, so he still keeps me on the team, and um, he's been keeping the shells looking good for a long time. So thanks to Chris Norlock at Darkside, and um, yeah, perfect. I think that's about it. Brilliant. Thanks very much for coming on. You, you, you've been absolutely epic. We, we, you know, we've, we've heard some great stories, and I, and I thank you for that. It's great to get on the inside of something um, as cool as that um, that era was. So, 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 thank you very much. Oh, sure. It's great to come on and talk about it. Uh, I'll have to send you guys some uh, photos of my uh, car collection. Yeah, if you want. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll post them on the group. Yeah, would love to see them. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for coming on, Kurt, and uh, thank you for talking and being so informative about things. Sure, yeah, I'll come back whenever. Excellent. We'll hold you to that. <laughs> and he's gone. How about that? Yeah, mate, amazing guest, wasn't he? Top quality. Chris, that was that was a great find, and um, thank you, Richard Barton, for helping out getting... Um, Getting us all together, you know, that's what it's about. And, and, and speaking of getting together, Chris, how you doing, Rog? I'm all right, are you mate. Be, are you being? 
what you been up to? Oh, what have I been up to? Just the usual busy life, but uh, racing-wise, I've managed to try and fit in as much as I can before the uh, before everything got locked down, as was going to be kind of inevitable. So I've been going to Swindon quite a lot. Quite a lot. It's a club that's sort of forty minutes down the road from me. Yeah, I've been speaking to but in the wrong direction. So it's nice to go and race with some different people. Been speaking to one of your proteges down at um, Swindon, um, young Cameron Pollinger. Have I said that right? Yes. Um, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Seems like a nice lad. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a really good guy. Yeah, yeah. He's um, super super passionate about it all. Um, he, yeah, his wiring in his cars they make Chris's look like they just pulled him out of a dustbin. Well, that's not hard um, though, is it? Really? Hey, hey, hey! Come on, let's not <laughs> no. turn this into a wiring competition, Roger. Already, yeah, we're only been up, yeah. <laughs> we're going a minute and eighteen seconds in this section, listeners. Let's, it's already kicking off. Turn it, let's not turn it into a wiring competition because we know what your wiring's like. Yeah, you Roger. ain't going to win that one, Roger. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. So, have you been... Quite a spaghetti. You remember you bought that Aggress? Yes. How far have you got with that? Uh, Well, I bought that at the beginning of the first lockdown. Yeah, yeah. I opened the box at the beginning of the second lockdown, and I got as far as building the chassis over Christmas, just about. Shocks I'll do probably some point before the end of this lockdown. Yeah, so... Is is it like now you say you've done the chassis? Is it like rolling chassis minus shocks? My rolling chassis minus shocks. Oh, cool! Yeah. yeah. So you got you, well, you've pretty much pretty much done then. Yeah, shocks is set, always the last. Thing set, people chuck do. a set of B six shocks on it, man. Be awesome. Uh, I say it's got it's. Remember that car's my Eleanor. I have to um have, have you, to do that exactly as it would have been. Have you so. have you have you wired it? Have you got have you got like a vintage batteries and radio for it then? Um, funnily enough, I actually. I happened across, there was a guy selling on Facebook Marketplace, um, a Nosram International, which is the speed controller I would have used back in the day. Yeah. Um, and Nathan Rolls has dug out an MG Red Dot motor, which is what would have gone in it. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be, it's going to be exactly as it would have been if, um, yeah, if I've ever actually got to build it when, when my dad was still with me. So, you gonna that's pa- exactly where it's going to stay. Are you going to run it at all? Uh, it will get. You can try it in the street. Run. Yeah, well, no, it won't get run in the street. But it, you know, it will get run maybe at you know Kidderminster Club. Yeah. Do uh, yeah, as part Parade of the series, they do a vintage class. So I'll probably do a, a couple of those with it, and um, yeah, yeah just cool. a bit of a laugh really. But it's also, as I say, it's it's some fond memories really. That was the car that we were going to move to. Um, if yeah, if we'd have made that next season, so as I say, I, it's my Eleanor. It's uh, it's the one that keeps getting away. The aggress. I think this is my fourth fourth time of trying to build an aggress. So yeah. So what is this? Um, a second re-release from Tammy then? This was a um, this was a 2013 yeah re-release car um, that was that yeah it was on a on our mutual friend. Uh, in Little is Shouse for quite a while, and uh, I, yeah, you know, I took it off him one he's day. Like, he's because... like that, mate. You know what I mean? You walk in there, want to buy some eat drink or something, and you walk out, and you, 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 you just, <laughs> it's like hundreds of pounds worth of stuff. You're like Ian, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you turn around, say goodbye. He's like, oh, oh, do you want some more batteries? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is top top tip for anybody who goes to who goes to Pen Models. Don't let him make you a cup of tea. It's a trap. Yeah. 
Or if in my case, don't let him make you a cup of tea because he'll bring you coffee, which you can't stand. Well, you'll want yeah. to talk, Chris, because you were in there three days oh, ago buying yeah. a car. Yeah, well... What's it like buying a new honest, car these days? Oh, mate. By the time this lockdown's gone, I'll have ended up with about 25 of them. Um, yeah, like the first lockdown, I wasn't too bothered. I was like, oh, well, you know, you know. But then, like, we got a taste of racing, didn't we? Yeah. And... They've announced this second lockdown, and uh, obviously the tier four, and it did get to me a bit. It got to me quite a bit more than I thought, actually. Um, and I think uh, if I, if one of the episodes um, from Extra Lap, they were talking about this, and it's it's not the actual racing that you're missing. It's the the being in the field, the the camaraderie with your mates, yeah. the um, you know they've been able to walk over and take the piss out of Rog because his car's in 762 different bits in between a round um, you know he's asking you how many seconds he's got left because he's still got to build a set of shocks um, and it really does and I think that, that is what gets you by um, and that is one of the reasons we all love this hobby so much um, so now I, I gave uh, Ian a call and uh, went up there um with a bit of a shopping list. So what did you buy? I you had a B62D. Yeah, because when it when they came out, I bought the carpet car, and it was um, I had no intention of going out in the outdoors for a couple of months. So I thought, well, I'll get the car, the wet car, in a couple of months. So I've had the 6.1 for oh, nearly a year now, um, but just never got round to buying the D. So yeah. I just thought, oh well, you know, it'll give me something to do in lockdown. You know, that'll cover a couple of days. And then me being me, when I sat down two and a half hours, three hours later, the thing's bloody built with electrics ready to roll. It's got tyres on it, pinion on it, body shell. You, did you go? Where to go? Did you get new electrics or did you get the electric out your old car? Uh, new electrics. Wow. He's gone for it. Gone, gone for it. Spending the big yeah. bucks. I'll new learn. electrics. Heat, coloured heat shrink changed to black heat shrink. Uh, red reedy wire taken off. Piece of black reedy wire. Added in its place with a little yeah, bit of red. It's heat. really funny, man. These black black wires is boss these days, isn't it? You it know is. that it's, is it's that the one. Look, you know, I, I remember yeah. I went to all black wires, and every time I opened the the bonnet or whatever of my car, the lid took the, took the shell off, and there was an orange servo there glaring at me. Oh no! And I'm it was like, a servo. yeah. So honestly, every time I, it, it just kept bugging me, so I just bought a black servo. So, no yeah, other reason other than I just wanted everything in the car to be black. I tried the whole when I had Savox, I, when I ran Savox, um, I tried just putting a piece of uh, sticky back carbon vinyl around yeah. it just to turn it. Through. But yeah, funny you mentioned servos and you said new electrics. Um, the servo is still the same, but I just haven't had. I've ordered the uh, the brand new spec uh, Reedy servos for all my cars. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, they obviously aren't in at CML just yet, so yeah. they're on pre-order. I've always, I've always thought, fancied one of them, but they're just a little bit too expensive. Well, and this is, is me being the biggest really gear slag in the world. But like no, but they're like hundred the, quid. They're hundred and thirty-nine. Oh, ouch! But they're the same. Um, they're the same spec as the highest servos that they're based on. Um, so I was running the highest servos, so. You know, like you say, I am. I'm a bit of a reedy slag as well. Yeah. Um, 
You guys especially... do realise that AE cars are blue anodized, don't you? And that the uh, Etronics brand from CML are also blue servos. Yeah, but and the speedos, port- speedos black. The mouse is black. The wires are black. The batteries. Yeah. got a sticker on it <laughs> and have you never have you never heard the phrase if it's in an AE if it's not ready it's not right <laughs> I haven't Roger sorry, sorry, did you Roger. know that if it's not ready it's not right yeah that, that'll be the new hashtag every time Roger says the word hobbywing to me which yeah. not slagging hobbywing off great speedos um, and motors and yeah because apparently listeners if um, Roger runs hobbywing because apparently they're the best yeah just in case he's never mentioned that he runs Hobby Wing to you. Um, yeah, so there you go, Roger. Every time you say the word Hobby Wing, I'm going to stand there and say, if it's not really, it's not right. I'm just a loyalist, Russ, I'm afraid. They've served me very well over the years. And... Yeah, to be fair, you have, you have been a Hobby Wing through every car, haven't you? Amazing. They are. They're brilliant. Mm. They're brilliant, brilliant. Uh... I've got a it's question, good. Rog. Don't get go offended. This It's meant to be light-hearted. Oh great! If the B four was such a good car, great car, world beating car, why did you go and get a Kyosho? Well, I didn't go directly from the B four to the Kyosho. I did spend a couple of years racing eighth, yeah, uh, and then came back with Kyosho. Um, it was. I don't know whether I had a bad one. You know, whether it was something not right with the car, whether it was you know. I, I don't know, but I honestly did not like mine at all. Um, and I have to acknowledge that with the you know, success it, it had, you can't argue with it. But I have spoken to a few people um, who've done some restorations of them recently, and they've, they've people seem to have found them where they are. They just don't drive right. Yeah. Not. not Is that because it was a dirt car and all the tracks over here are Astro? No, no, I think, I think, there was just, I, I think it was just possible to build a bad one. Yeah, I it was as simple as that. I think I think it was a yeah. You, know, you could get an occasional combination of parts. Certainly, this was what. Uh, who was it who mentioned it to me? That uh, I, I can't for the life of me remember a conversation I had a couple of years ago about the B4, and I said that I didn't like mine, and um, it was um, yeah. I just it, whatever. It just didn't. It didn't feel like it steered the same left to right. It didn't do. It was obviously the car wasn't right itself, but um, I. Yeah, it was, it was at the point I'd already made the decision to go and do some eight scale. Um, anyway, so it was yeah, it was the point that I left tenth. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and then did a few years of eight scale before before coming back. Where did, what so, did you do? With, what eighth car did you have? I went uh, Thunder Tiger. Oh, so, back when they yeah, they were doing decent cars for a while, weren't they? Well, it was the um, the car with the extruded chassis plate that had the, the aluminium tunnel that yeah. was exceptionally stiff which seems like a really good idea until you and, and until you really think about where we are with modern cars and, and yeah, was running it at the time he was kind of their their number one in the uk and he was absolutely flying with it but my god did he put some work in um i remember you know sort of john hazelwood and and john dower you know they didn't put some effort into getting yeah. that car where it needed to be um and it was you know, a good car towards the end, but yeah. It, and then from there, I ended up um, going to uh, to uh, Hongnor with Jamie Booth, who looked after me like the diamond that he is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Loved I ran Hongnor for a couple of years, um, probably 2005. It was a good car. That's yeah, it was an excellent car. It's the, you know, what would have been the jamming car in the States. Yeah. So, which, uh, if you listen to the No Name RC podcast, then Keelan seems to mention the jamming car at least twice an episode at the moment. So. Mm. Yeah. That's weird. I mean, this is this is normally the point where I'd ask everyone what what they're looking forward to doing next. What you're up to? What you got planned? Or, or I bet no one's got anything planned other than Roger's going to throw his egress and uh, finish the egress and send him send some pictures. So we can put I've it on the four wheel drive. Yeah. yeah, that should be the competition this week. You know, Chris. If you um, if you want, to do, are you doing a picture competition? Have you thought about it? We can. We can do. We haven't. We we haven't got a sponsor attached yet, but. Uh... I'm sure one will come along throughout the year. So, yeah, we can do. Right. Let's see your new build kit. Yeah, lockdown projects. What are, what are you doing? Yeah. It doesn't new have to be a new one. Yeah. You could be some piece of tat you've dug out your loft from 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Before and after picture. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Okay. So, and we will pick good. a winner or two um, for the draw. Cool. In fact, Roger, you can pick the winners. That's, that's what we'll do. You can pick oh, the winners. Okay. So right, po- well, that's it. Post your pictures of your lockdown projects, and Roger's going to pick two two uh, winners to go in the draw for Christmas. Boom. You know what I'm going to do? Then I want to get a hobby wing speedo and put it in an, in my car just so Roger picks me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Chris, have you got some news this week? Well, despite the fact that there's no actual racing, it's been probably the heaviest news week going. Um, so, as we all know, Muzz was teasing that Schumacher had signed a a big American superstar yeah, over yeah. outside the pond. Turns out, um, despite the fact he left Associated quietly, uh, another piece of news that came up, it's not uh, Brock Champlin. Yeah. It's actually Travis Amesqua. Wow. Um, some of you might know him from working with um, Gerd Strang on the... The Durango run of cars, like the 410, the the 210, um, and obviously you know they were really good cars. Won 410, won Worlds with a uh, was it a Worlds it won with Jordan Norman, or was it a Euros? I think it won both. Um, yeah, so an amazing asset for Schumacher to have yeah, over that good, side. Because it was going to be a good development driver for them, then, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's an amazing guy. Really, really knows his stuff. Um, Bit like a uh, bit like Kurt tonight. I was talking to Drescher earlier, and he said the the thing that made Kurt such a good um, engineer for RC cars was he understood what the car needed to be doing. Yeah, and I think Travis will bring a lot of that to Schumacher. So that's a that's a really really good signing for them yeah. um, in this silly season. Yeah. Um, well done, you Brock guys. Champlin, Brock Champlin leaves AE. Yeah, where's he going? We don't know yet. I'm going to throw... Oh, because I thought, two... I actually thought it was Schumacher and I didn't think any further. I was like, hey, that's no, no. Going to be, it's going to be Brock. It's going to be Brock. As well. but, There's a uh, about low C. There's a noise that uh, about TLR. Yeah, but how much budget have they got left now for having Cav? Whereas there's a yeah, big, but, fat, dirty hole. It's Horizon, though, isn't it? This is the machine that's Horizon. Yeah... But they got rid of all their pro line drivers, apart from Neil. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, where do you go? I, I'm going to say sensibility. I'd say TLR, but I would quite like to see him go to somebody, somebody like S Works. I'd like to see what he can do with a a car that's not 
Kind of a lesser brand. <laughs> Go on, just say no, it. Just say less, it. No, just say, just say it. No, mate, honestly, that S works four-wheel drive. We don't, dis- Chris, we don't discriminate. Brilliant. Everyone's no. fair game. Well, you slag everybody off, and I'm nice about everybody. That's what we do. Um, <laughs> good cop, bad cop. Um, and Rod's going to be worse no. cop. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'd like to see him do something with an up, uh, not necessarily an up-and-coming brand. I think that's the wrong term, but a... Um, I mean, the S works two-wheel drive isn't quite at the pinnacle that like the TLRs and the B6s are yet. Um, so I'd quite like to see him have a have a go with that and try and help them and really get them into it. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a really good car that um, S works two-wheel drive when it was the X-Ray 19. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't a copy, Roger. It was a replica. <laughs> it was a homage. <laughs> a homage. I love it. <laughs> Oh. We discussed with Nathan Rouse the last time I was on, and it was, um, yeah, the two wheel drive cars, they've all kind of gravitated towards a point, haven't they? Because there's, there's you yeah, know, it's. They, they, they all look like the thing that's working, don't they? Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're, it's understood well enough now the mid motor lay down transmission cars. Um, it's so uh, that the, most of the manufacturers have got a handle on how to make that work now. So, yeah. but yes. <laughs> so. Um, a more bit. silly season. More silly season. Um, Ongaro leaves LRP. Yeah. Ongaro's left LRP engines. I'm not sure whether he's left their electrics or not. I wonder if he's going to read he's it. Gone OS. He's gone OS engines. Yeah, he's gone OS engines. But if he's left LRP engines, he was also using LRP speedos and motors. So, he was using yeah. the flow X and was he using maybe, the flow X? maybe maybe he's still got a couple of spares and doesn't need it at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, he'll go. He will obviously go ready, won't he? If uh, I, I would hope so. Yes, hope it's, so. it's only yeah. you know if it's not ready, it's not right. Did, did you know David Ongaro's um, gamer tag is David on um, on gyro? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think the fact that he, he can laugh about that because yeah. he knows that it's not true and that nobody's just willing to admit that he just destroyed. The, the, the thing is, mate, they said they said the same thing about Yannick A going back in the day when he was at, at the top of his game. Oh, he's cheating! He's got to be cheating! He can't be that yeah. fast! He's got to be cheating! Sometimes it just happens, you know. I mean, I'd love to get him on one day and talk about this, but. Um, in that race where they accused him of running a gyro, if you watch, they had cameras on the driver's transmitters. Yeah. So they were looking down from the roof of the rostrum. And if you watch his, his thumbs, because he uses a stick transmitter. Like a real man. Yeah, like a, like a true bloke. Um, he's, um, he cadence brakes with his left thumb. So you can see him just tapping the brake and feeling when the wheels lock up. Yeah. And then letting off the brakes and then popping back on them once the wheels have started rotating again. Yeah. And if you watch him, his fingers are a blur. Like he's proper just cadence braking into every turn to keep the traction. Yeah. There's nothing to do with the gyro. It's just the bloke driving it. He's yeah. awesome. And uh, one more bit of news. Oh, BRCA announcement. Check uh, them out. They, they've just gone for it, haven't yeah. they? I love that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well done, BRCA. Full, just, just stick the date. Send. Stick full it out. Send. Yeah. Everybody is getting a national. So yeah. every section is going to be running a national. So, you know, we have a laugh saying, you know, joking, but BRCA really well done. Guys, the work that you, you've put in to make that possible is appreciated by not only the people that listen to this podcast, but everybody that races that doesn't. Um, 
So thank you for giving us all the opportunity to go and yeah. do the thing we've missed the most. Yeah, Chris, I see the listening figures, mate. Most of the people are listening. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's it. True, <laughs> you know. No, no, absolutely, it's, it's fabulous that yeah, there is definitely a, there's a plan for the for the nationals for all the sections, which now means that hopefully there'll be it can filter down and do regionals and and all the rest of it. But yeah. guys. Please carry on supporting your clubs. Yeah, Please. don't forget to renew your club membership. It's January. Yeah. Send, yeah. send, send them and the ten the quid. RCA. They might need it. For, you might, we might, they yeah. might need to pay the storage and the rental um, and, container or whatever. Pay, your, also, pay your club membership. And also importantly, the BRCA. I think they they worded it like this, and it was the best way of of wording it that I've seen. Um, support your local hobby shops because when we're out, while we're in this, support them. Because when we're out of it, they're the ones that support us. Um, yeah. We've all done it. We've all got to the track and not had tyres with us. And who's saved you? Your local hobby shop. Carrying stock down there. So, guys, make sure you're supporting them still, even though we're not. Stockpile your tyres now before we start racing again. Yeah. No, absolutely, for sure. So, it's, uh, I remember, second round of uh, Tour Bay series last year I ended up bending a hinge pin in practice and not having any spares and if it hadn't have been for, for John at RC Octane then that would have been a very long dull drive home whereas yep. uh, instead we TQ'd round one so Woo. God nobody quick turned up then no, nobody quick no, yeah. no. <laughs> brilliant so what's next then guys where, where, where do we go from here what 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 we're gonna do? What have we got anything planned for um, this this lucky lucky downing? Told you all, I've done a two wheel drive. I think it's only right I do the uh, the two four wheel drives now, isn't it? Yeah, you're just gonna spend some money. Might as well. You might as it's well. Not like I can, it's not like I can spend it down the pub, yeah. is it? So you're gonna build some two. So you're gonna build some four wheel drives. Roger's gonna. Oh, Roger's gonna do his aggress. I've I've got to tell you guys. Well, I've told you a bit about off air, but I'm gonna tell the listeners as well. Um, someone bought Bruce for Christmas a Haynes V8 plastic engine um, and you assemble it it's got a crank it's got pistons it's got um, camshafts rockers valves valve springs everything in this this engine and I built this and I really you know what I really enjoyed it but my god it was hard work so if you hate someone out there buy their kid one of these engines because it's going to be dad that's building it and if you think they're going to struggle man it's going to be epic It'd be, if you could film it and just watch them implode while, while trying to do it, it would be class. I'm going to put a picture on the group of this this engine because I, I really in actually I'm going to put it in the the competition part of, of lockdown projects because it was it's, it's such a clever thing. Rog, you know this engine it even had a it came with a um, a cam belt aligning tool to align the two camshafts and the and the crank. That's awesome. That's how oh. intricate it was. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's unbelievable, unbelievably cool. It's even got spark plugs that light up in the right in the right order when the, the valves are in the right position and stuff. Yeah, it's, no, it's, that's great. When anything like that gives people, um, yeah, a little bit of an incentive to get to understand these things and anything yeah. that gets. And then it yeah. gets kids into engineering. But they are wow. hard to work. And if, you, if you're getting your kid one, you might need to help them. So be, be prepared. Be prepared. Anyway, at that, Chris, do you want to thank the sponsors? Yeah, um, as always, another year. Thank you to uh, CML Distribution and Schumacher Racing. Uh, you guys are, are great in keeping us on the air. 
Um, and hopefully we'll have some more people jumping on board with the photo competitions soon. Brilliant. Guys, thanks for, very much for liking and sharing. You are absolutely epic. We're doing our best to get the word out there for RC Racing. I know it's difficult times, um, but we're going to do our best to bring you content every week. There will be no stopping us this year. I hope you come along for the ride. We've got some cracking guests coming up this month and not a lot of clear what's happening in February, but January is going to be epic. So keep listening. Um, I think you'll be surprised with who we've got coming up over the, the next couple of weeks. So don't forget to like and share. Chris, I'll see you next week. See you next week, mate. Take care, guys. See you, Roger.